Hello, good people, and welcome to another episode of the God Pass Podcast. My name is Bolello, and I'm your host. And I want to thank you for allowing me into your space once again. And depending on what time you decide to listen, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to you and yours. So this week, we continue with the podcast series on worth. And today, we speak specifically about seeing ourselves under someone else's shadow. Comparison. When I looked up what it is to actually compare, I found that when we compare, we measure. We note the similarity or dissimilarity between whatever is being compared. And I find that oftentimes our self-worth and value can come from the empty place of comparison. And the reason I say empty is because it is not usually a habit that flows from a place of abundance and contentment, but that of lack. Not being able to recognize and identify all that God has placed within us. It comes from a place of insecurity. Insecurity may be caused by loneliness, traumas, anxiety, rejection, having people being overcritical of you, having a negative belief or view of ourselves. And so I wanted to speak on comparisons because it is a very real part of our lives. And I believe that the vast majority of us have at some point in our lives compared ourselves to others, especially within the same ethnic groups as us, the same gender, and mostly within the same peer groups. And we tend to use these people as a barometer to measure our progress and whether we are where we need to be, be it socially, economically, financially, physically, educationally, and even spiritually. And in as much as um, we can argue that social media has accentuated this reality and has to a large degree elevated it, it's not the cause of it. Because if you think about it, social media is just a reflection of the society that already existed prior to its invent. Until today, it serves as a mirror to society. So we find comparisons everywhere, in families, in friend groups, amongst neighbors, colleagues, and largely even amongst believers. It's very prevalent in the church. And in religion, you find the comparison usually found in our different giftings and designations. But what I tend to think about, you know, I tend to ask myself is, what is it within ourselves that constantly feels the need to look outside of ourselves, outside of all that God has placed within us, all that he has promised and produced in our lives, in order to feel a sense of worth, in order to feel and believe that we are progressing, why is it so important for us to see others losing in some instances in order for us to feel as though we are winning? And why does winning have to look like beating everyone else and not to do with doing better today as opposed to yesterday? And in all honesty, like everyone else out there, I have fallen into the habit of comparing myself to other people since I was a child till my adulthood. And even currently, something that I still catch myself doing. As a child, I guess I would compare myself to my friends and I'd always be in awe of their beauty and feel like, you know, I wish I was as pretty as this one. And, you know, I wish I looked like that. I wish my body looked like that. And, um, I'd compare myself to my cousins who were more well-off than we were in their families. I'd compare myself to my sibling who really was so 
respectful and just did what was expected of him while I was, you know, out here being a rebel and doing whatever I wanted to do. And even as an adult, I'd find myself comparing myself with colleagues and even total strangers where I would look at my perceived failures, you know, because life didn't turn out the way I had hoped that it would. The fact that I may not be working in a permanent job, that I'm not rich, I don't have expensive clothing, I am, you know, not in this big, serious relationship. And so I judge myself according to these very superficial and petty standards. And this is what comparisons tend to do. They tend to keep us blind to what God has blessed us with or makes those very blessings seem insignificant. And that tends to put us in a place of or position of ingratitude. And comparisons can drive us into parts outside ourselves or expose us to the deep and dark places within ourselves. And these are places that we usually haven't surrendered up to God yet. And in there, we discover our pride our sense of self-righteousness, of insecurity, of impatience and faithlessness in God. And we tend not to see the value of faithfully serving the seasons that we are in, nor the internal work that God performs within our minds and our hearts to prepare us for more and to help us become the best versions of ourselves. And as a result, we become resistant to any work that he could perform where our character is concerned, our perspective, our ability to withstand difficulty, our capacity to give love and to receive love, our ability to forgive, restoration, increased faith, renewed hope, healing and redemption. And in our efforts to seek prominence, to succeed, to be seen, to feel important, we become more concerned with pleasing each other, pleasing our family members, our friends, strangers, and we fail to see the value in living a life that seeks to please God. And so if you go to Galatians chapter 1 verse 10, Paul writes in the context of the people of Galatia turning away from the gospel of Jesus Christ, he says, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God, or am I trying to please man? If I was still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of God. And on wanting to please God or having the determination to please God above pleasing people, I'm reminded of 2 Timothy chapter 4 from verse 2. It reads, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. And so we learn that comparison can breed within us the longing and deep desire of wanting to please other people and impress other people and forget that our obligation and our calling is to be pleasing to God. Not only that, though, comparison can also breed jealousy and envy within our hearts. And that jealousy and envy can drive us to do some shameful and sometimes unspeakable things. And we learn about that in Genesis chapter 37 from verse 12. And it reads, 
Now his brothers had gone to graze their father's flocks near Shechem, and Israel said to Joseph, As you know, your brothers are grazing the flocks near Shechem. Come, I am going to send you to them. Very well, he replied. So he said to him, Go and see if all is well with your brothers and with the flocks, and bring word back to me. Then he sent him off from the valley of Hebron. When Joseph arrived at Shechem, a man found him wandering around in the field and asked him, What are you looking for? He replied, I'm looking for my brothers. Can you tell me where they are grazing their flocks? They have moved on from here, the man answered. I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dothan. But they saw him in the distance and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. When Reuben heard this, he tried to rescue him from their hands. Let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed any blood. Throw him into the cistern here in the desert, but don't lay a hand on him. Reuben said this to rescue him from them and take him back to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the richly ornamented robe that he was wearing, and they took him and threw him into the cistern. Now the cistern was empty. There was no water in it. As they sat down to eat their meal, they looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were loaded with spices, balm, and myrrh, and they went on their way to take them down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. His brothers agreed. So when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. When Reuben returned to the cistern and saw that Joseph was not there, he tore his clothes. He went back to his brothers and said, The boy isn't there. Where can I turn now? Then they got Joseph's robe, slaughtered a goat, and dipped the robe in the blood. They took the ornamented robe back to their father and said, We found this. Examine it and see whether it is your son's robe. He recognized it and said, It is my son's robe. Some ferocious animal has devoured him. Joseph has surely been torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes, put on sackcloth, and mourned for his son many days. All his sons and daughters came to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. No, he said, in mourning will I go down to the grave to my son. So his father wept for him. Meanwhile, the Midianites sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard. And so Joseph's story is that he was favored by his father, Jacob, or Israel, because he had him in his very old age. And more so, Jacob would have dreams of straws of grain bowing to him and him being the bunch that is elevated and the stars and the moon bowing to him in two separate dreams. And when he shared these dreams with his brothers, they began to hate him. And this is now over and above the fact that their father favors this one son, that he even made a very fancy ornamented robe for Joseph. And so this is where we see 
one of the fruits of getting to the habit of comparison, which is jealousy, taking form in these brothers, in them throwing their brother into a pit and selling him and even having contemplated killing him and then hiding it and deceiving their father and making him believe that he was torn apart by some ferocious animal or leading him to that thought rather. We also see the fruit of comparison play itself out in the form of anger and of envy. And we see this in the parable of the lost son, which is found in Luke chapter 15 from verse 11. And it reads, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has come back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. Verse 31 reads, My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And this passage of the parable of the lost son makes me realize that even when we are in our lane, serving the way that we should, doing everything that we're called to do, being good stewards of the things that God has given us responsibility over, doing all the things that we're called to do, even then we can still fall into a pit of comparison like the other brother of the lost son where he was faithfully serving, doing all that was required of him. And when his brother returned home, he was celebrated, even though what he did may have been seen as insolent. And we might think that he was justified in his anger. But was he though? Instead of celebrating that his lost brother finally came back, even though he left on account of his own foolishness, the fact that he came back and is unharmed and is okay and came back with humility and was ready to humble himself before his father and admit his wrong, 
He couldn't see part his own anger and the fact that he had been there on his father's side the whole time. And so right there and then we see the envy and we see the anger. And that's the thing with comparison at times, that it can come so excellently disguised and we feel as though we are justified in our comparison and in the fruits that it bears within us. And right there and then we fail to see all the good that we've cultivated all the blessings we have going on in our lives, all the good things about ourselves that we contribute the small ways and in the bigger scheme of things. Another passage in the Bible that we can look at that is widely known um, with regards to comparison is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. And it reads, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. We were all made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And although this passage is in context with the different spiritual gifts that we have and the different designations that we have, we can still apply this to comparison in real life, that as children of God, we really are a part of one body and we all have different things to offer. And that's the beauty about us, that we're all different, all coming from different backgrounds, ethnicities, genders, age groups. There's so many different people who have so many different things to offer, different perspectives, giftings, things about them that make them unique, with life happening for them at different paces and different things coming out of their lives that we have so much to appreciate Instead of comparing ourselves to the next person and what they have and what we don't have and how they look like and how we perceive ourselves, it's an opportunity to appreciate the beauty of God's creation of ourselves. The last scripture I'll be reading from is found in Philippians chapter 2, also in the English Standard Version, and we're reading from verse 3, and it says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only on his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. And I believe that the scripture reinstills the idea of the mindset of servanthood. And that when we have our mindset on serving the next person, we're able to see 
all the great things about them and that their great qualities don't take anything away from us. With a mindset set on servanthood, we're not concerned and obsessed with getting praise and being recognized and having this and having that. We're concerned and devoted to uplifting the next person. And in so doing, we are ourselves uplifted. And so as we come to a close, let us always remember that like the enemy, comparison steals our joy, it kills and it destroys us from seeing our own potential where we could contribute or make a contribution and it keeps us from fully experiencing all that God has for us. And while some might argue that comparison isn't always all bad, if say you admire someone and you want to be like them, I still argue that in as much as you may see someone and they might be a shining example of what you could be, you still need to be you. And you've got a lot of great things about yourself. And the only thing that you need to be concerned with being is being the person that God created you to be, the best version of yourself. Because examples are exactly that examples that it's possible to reach down into yourself and unlock all that God has placed within you so that you can take that all he has placed within you to live a fulfilling life and know that at every point you have worth and so as we wrap it up I'd like to suggest an amazing song to you I say it's amazing because I think it's amazing and it just makes me realize how God is always so determined and is always in the business of pursuing us and it just makes me it makes me smile inside because it doesn't matter how many times we get away it doesn't matter how many times we look next door and we think well They've got it better and I've got nothing. doesn't matter how many times we fail to see how amazing he is in our lives. He still pursues us. And so the name of the song is called Captured. It's by Isla Vista Worship and Mark Barlow. And I really hope that you enjoy it as much as I have. I'll link it in the description. And yeah, I hope that you enjoy it. So that's it for today's episode. And I want you to know that, man, you are enough. And you may not have all that you want right now. You may not be where you want to be or where you thought you'd be at this point. But trust and believe that you are exactly where God needs you to be and wants you to be right now. Allow him to work on your character, on your personality, on your mind. Allow him to work on that self-esteem. Allow him. He'll fix the finances. He'll fix the education. He'll fix everything but seek first his kingdom yeah and all those things will be added so that's it from me i love you god loves you god treasures you and i hope you never ever neglect that fact until next week bye-bye